If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear to fathers on dimly lit street corners instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open. You be queen. You were fire. You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters. They called you wisdom. Proverbs. On the backs of diamond-eyed schoolchildren who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise. Be smart. Be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone, and prayer. Be every form of gem. See, king told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, Wife told her daughter, and daughter told the ancestors, and the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come, dropping gem, dropping gem. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Dropping Gems podcast. I am Debbie Brown. I want to say big thank you to everyone that has shared this show, that has hit me up on IG, that is added to our ratings and reviews on the Apple app. Thank you so, so, so much for your time. Oh, today's show. Okay, so full transparency, everybody. Today's show is starting a little bit different. (laughs) I record this show in Hollywood, California in a studio. And today on my way to the show, less than 15 minutes before I got here and got in this chair, I had a really 
challenging experience on my journey here. And it has changed the course of the episode a little bit. And I'm going to have a chance to really dive into real time alchemizing challenges with the special guests that I have for this episode. So I want to share with you something that happened. And it's actually I'm unpacking it as I'm talking about it. I was in my car and I was on the 101 freeway here in Los Angeles and I was exiting. And as I exited the freeway, I I was really enjoying my day. I was listening to a playlist I like, I was feeling really grateful. And I am coming off of the ramp and merging into the road and this man in a smaller car jaunts off to the side races to get in front of me with like such a limited window and then slams on his brake with the hopes of me maybe potentially hitting him or just being so shaken up that it was literally like that experience when the pedal has to immediately touch the floor and so the back of your car kind of pops up a little bit and everything rushes forward and it was shocking and very scary in the moment. I'm someone that has survived um, a tragic car accident where I was hit by a drunk driver 15 years ago. And I had to be pulled out of that car by the jaws of life. And so I'm a really, really diligent driver because of that. And so this experience thrusted me forward. And I was just in shock. And I, I started looking around like, what is going on? The car behind me almost hit me. It had to veer over. It almost hit that car. It was just this big thing. And I look forward and there is this man in the car in front of me that did it completely unprovoked. And now he's leaning out the window, cussing me out and throwing water bottles at me. Now, I did not cut this person off. Um, This person and I had not even been traveling next to each other during my journey. And... I instantly reach over to lock my doors and he we're at a stop at this point we're at a stoplight and he gets out of his vehicle and he comes over to my car and he proceeds to say fuck you bitch suck my dick white power white power stupid bitch and then spits at me and hawks a loogie onto my window um and in that moment and all of this really just happened. Um, I was very, and am very shaken up by it. And it's interesting because some of the things that are coming up for me is, if you remember, for anyone that has been listening to this show um, since, since its inception, is that back in March or April, I had a similar experience. And I also had an experience of witnessing two men beating a woman um, on the road that they had had a traffic interaction with. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in this right now. I am excited to welcome my guest, but I wanted to share this with you, and I hope to unpack this a little bit more in the episode with my guest. But, you know, this moment in time that we're in, it's, I think this really illustrates how there is always going to be challenge. (laughs) And no matter what work we're doing, no matter how diligently we're showing up for ourselves, there are going to be other forces and other people that are unhealed that for whatever reason 
are looking to disrupt your existence. Um, and so that sits really, really strongly for me in this moment as I experience that and kind of sit with that in this space and just also noticing how sometimes we still have to compartmentalize, you know, like this just happened, but you got to go to work and you got to do this and you got to do that. And so I just wanted to bring that forward. We're going to explore that a little bit more and, and just what to do with those feelings of when you're feeling unsafe. That, that for me was um, pretty jarring for multiple reasons. I have had several experiences just in the last eight months of feeling deeply unprotected by men and scenarios where I have had men try to physically harm me and minimize me. And so that's coming up right now. So this episode will have joy. (laughs) We are going to have some joy in this episode too. Um, My guest is really a phenomenal woman. But I think that this is also a good opportunity to unpack how to retap into joy in the midst of um, also feeling deeply wronged and physically scared. So let's see where this episode takes us. And I'm so happy you're here. I'd like to share with you now and introduce my special guest, Dr. Mariel Bouquet, who is a New York City-based psychologist, disruptor, and sound bath meditation healer. Her work centers on healing wounds of intergenerational trauma for Black and Indigenous people of color, holistic mental wellness, and the decolonialization of Eurocentric healing practices. I had a chance to first communicate with Dr. Mariel when I was doing an IG Live for the Chopra channel. And I had started following her on Instagram, and I was just really connected to her radiant joy and beauty. You can feel her through the screen. She says so many beautiful, deeply rooted uh, shares, so many tools that she offers on her page. And her work really resonated with me, and it felt so connected to my heart in the way that I experienced this work and I experienced myself. So I had a wonderful chat with her on IG Live, and I was really looking forward to bringing her here into this space and really diving into her expertise in ritual and how to build ritual for ourselves and somatic practices of how to really integrate the experiences that we are having Uh, with our healing and with our joy. So I think it's also probably very, very divinely put that she is my first guest after having this experience. Uh, So I want to welcome to the show, without further ado, the amazing Dr. Mariel Bouquet. Hi, Debbie. So good to be here with you, vibing with you once again. I'm so excited that we get to join in conversation again, which is always a a joy for me. How lucky am I? How lucky am I? You just have the most radiant light. And I think that's why I'm like, ooh, let's let's talk about this work because I just love the light that you emanate and the way that you mm-hmm. teach. It's so juicy and beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> juicy is a first for me. And I I will take that in and love upon it and own it. And I- <laughs> For my work to be juicy is everything because I, I like to say I bring all the sauce, you know, to oh, my work. Yes. So like, 
<laughs> very, very aligned, very aligned. <laughs> I love, I love. So first things first, tell me, how have the last uh, however many months of the pandemic been for you? What is something that has come forward that may have been surprising for you or may have felt maybe nourishing for you in this process mm. of a global pandemic? Yeah. Oh, I mean, the pandemic has been like, it, it's, been like the multiple pandemics right you know like one layered on top of the other and um you know as a mental health professional I definitely like do a lot of coping ahead right so thinking ahead to uh oh this is about to be a year you know mm. and regardless of how much I don't have at my disposal as far as like telling the future right like I still um you know can elicit within me uh some sort of a a, a centeredness and groundedness for me to be able to be uh, fully present for the people that I serve, right? And so it's been a lot of that. It's been a lot of, oh, take a pause because, um, you know, this week will be election week and people will be really in utter turmoil. And the people that you serve that are your, your you know, your, your actual clients, um, which I, I serve a predominance almost kind of like a 99% people of color, um, Black and Indigenous people of color. And so I knew that there would be a lot that people would be carrying and that I would be, you know, uh, the vessel upon which they would deposit and then my cup would be, have to be full, right? And and so there's all of that, like a lot of filling of cups (laughs) in this year, for sure, in order to, um, you know, be able to be a a present mind and spirit Mm for others, for sure. And for somebody like you who is a mental health professional and is also a healer and creates, creates, creates for so many people, how do you fill your cup? What does that look like for you? How does a healer heal? Ooh, how does a healer heal? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I just love your questions. I have to take pa- sacred pause on your question and just like <laughs> breathe that in. Um, just so beautiful. Thank you for, for framing it that way. Um, yeah, you know, like I, I'm super intentional about being able to invite in a a ritualistic practice of self-care, right? Like I'm, I like am made up of like water, wherever, whatever other like cellular things that we're made up of and like self-care. I think that that's literally like what I embody in my body. Right. Um, because I do it so, so much. Um, and I have gotten to a point where I, I'd like to say it's like maybe a, a little a little bit of a step beyond what I envisioned for myself as far as self-care and groundedness, mm. which is that I, I start off really early in the day. My start is now anywhere from 5 to 6 a.m. Um, and I definitely take an approximate hour and a half to two hours of the top of my day to actually fill my cup uh, in a very ritualistic Mm. manner yeah it it matters to me you know to be able to do that because look at what the world has for you ahead ahead of you right in your day um that is unprecedented precedented and we just don't know right so it's important for me to, to start off with balance so the things that i do at the top of my day um I, I start off with, you know how people do gratitude journals? Like I actually do like something that is more kind of in, in the mind, right? Uh, so I, I practice 
you know, gratitude for the very minimal things that I have. I have the breath of life, right? I'm grateful for that every morning. I have a warm home. Like I, I actually get to feel warmth, right? Mm. And not be cold and, and shelterless, right? Um, there are uh, things that I uh, have in my home that, that I'm grateful for. My pet, um, the, the fact that I'm surrounded by love. There's so many things that are just those small things that get me started in, um, in the right place, in the right frame of mind. And that's still while I'm in bed, right? And when I transition into the rest of my ritualistic practice, it starts embodying like different things. I transition into making my coffee and my tea. Mm. And that in and of itself is a ritualistic practice, right? There is, you know, I, I enter into this like mindfulness realm where I, um, even though I know what the coffee smells like, I'm still, you know, uh, taking myself through the aromatic experience of the ah. coffee. I'm touching the leaves of the tea. I'm like really being grateful for everyone that was a part of the process and the journey to getting this into my home, right? Down to the person who planted the seed. And it, it's something that is just so slowed down and in the moment. And it allows me to take sacred pause to just embody the fullness of the experience of what I am having in that very moment, mm. rather than like, put the tea on, go turn on the computer, you know, get it going, get the day started. Like I, I take a full on pause. I do journal, but that's right after I make my coffee. And, and then I sit in my meditation area that I created for myself, my little nook, and I start journaling and I do ancestral journaling as well. So I, I write to my ancestors, you know, in gratitude and, and in, in inquiry, right. Mm. Um, in, inquiring upon their wisdom. And, you know, I, I, I do a lot of self bath meditation healing for others, but I start my day by doing it for myself and being able to embody the sound vibrations that um, are very healing and therapeutic and have been for centuries for our ancestors. We, you know, we utilize the drums, we utilize, you know, singing bowls in many ways to heal the body. And so, yeah. you know, I take well to that as well. I mean, I could go on for like the whole entire episode. <laughs> so I'll, I'll pause there, but no, that's kind of yeah. like where it starts. Hold that thought. We are coming right back. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching 
to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Got my Prevna 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Yes, I love all of the ritual talk. Um really ritualizing everything. Like I look at everything I do as an opportunity for ritual. And I love the way you've mm-hmm. illustrated your morning because, you know, even the idea of making a tea for ourselves, it's like we can deepen the experience by sipping it slowly. How does the warmth mm-hmm. feel in your mouth? How does mm-hmm. the warmth feel going down your throat? It's in my stomach. What does that feel yeah. like? Do I feel nourished? Yeah. Do I feel full? What's the taste? Let me smell it, you know, Mm -hmm. enlivening our senses. It's so powerful. And that's really one thing that I I think that I've come away with, um, one of the many things with this pandemic. It's it's re-taught me how to experience time within myself. Oh, wow. So that Mm -hmm. slowing down of even in those tiny moments, like connecting to that joy, like first I'm observing, wow, that that warmth feeling that feels good. That feels like nourishing. Mm -hmm. My senses like it. And then it's like, oh, I feel grateful for that. That actually makes me feel happy. I I connect to joy in that. And then that's how we really start building those little connective fibers of like, oh, that's what joy feels like. That's what joy means. That's what, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you, when you spoke, it almost kind of took me into, you know, 50 years from now, right? Like, what do we want to tell mm. our great grandkids, you know, that we were doing with time, right? Mm. Um, and just the joy of being able to, you know, like impart that knowledge upon them, like, you know, time is within you, you know, you can embody um, time as a slow tempo, right? And just like really take in 
everything that is available to you in these very small yet fruitful and important moments yeah and it's just like mm. it's so beautiful to, to even have that story within you right now that you can then share with your son and your son can share with his son and yes. you know and, and the and the journey continues and it's just like so you know it just makes you think like wow we're, we're doing such work even in these small moments um to create healing and 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 you know profound relationship with ourselves that we can then transition on into the future generations and there's so much beauty in that yeah yes I love when so you brought up my son and I I would love to add that ways that I'm trying he's two so you know it's a Mm -hmm. little challenging um but the (laughs) ways that I'm trying to just in early stages convey access to joy to him it's really just by like like adding depth to his emotional language, even at two, you know? So it's like, if he likes something or he says, like if he's eating and he says he wants more right now, he's obsessed with eating corn on the cob. It fills his little body with mm-hmm. so much joy. And so like oh. more corn, more corn, mommy. And so then I'll say, is it tasty? And it's like, so tasty. And I'm like, is it delicious? Oh. Look, the corn is so beautiful. It's yellow. And oh. he's like, beautiful corn and he'll just like <laughs> run through the house saying that at dinner <laughs> oh which is, I love it <laughs> which is wildly adorable to me as his mom but also it's like you know that's giving him in really small bite-sized ways access to understanding his connection it's like how can I take it past oh I like it I'm I'm enjoying it to wow this this feels good. I know how to sink inside of myself. I know how to be present with the things that I enjoy and like. And those are like small ways that I'm kind of trying to convey that and seeing where it leads us. Mm -hmm. I love that you said leads us because um, as you were speaking and thinking that joy is then reverberating right back to you, right? Mm. You know, you're, you're kind of expanding the joyous moment for him and then it expands it for you as well, which is, a beautiful, you know, kind of transgenerational like moment. Yeah. You know, I had I had a whole outline for all of the things that I want to talk to you about and and we are definitely <laughs> going to get to as much as possible. But while I have you, you know, I shared with the audience already and I shared with you as we were getting started something that I just walked into and with your expertise, I, I think we should actually sp- explore this and I would love mm-hmm your depth of understanding of how to process events like this. Um, so at the mm-hmm. at the introduction to the show, I shared the story that I shared with you, which is on my way here, um, this man, uh, there was this racially motivated um, circumstance. I don't know, I don't know quite what to call yet. I'm still processing. All of this happened less than 45 minutes ago. Um, Mm -hmm. But I want to share some of the things I'm observing in myself. And I would love your expertise um, in guiding me through some of this. So, you know, the thing that I first noticed, I'm on my way to come work, right? I'm on my way to my podcast and to the studio, which is in Hollywood, California. And how how easily it was for me to compartmentalize something that made me feel so unsafe. 
Mm. It's really hard for me to feel unsafe. But in that moment, as this person is at my window and saying, you know, suck my D, F-U-B, and, you know, all of these things. And I'm like, there's no one around to help me. No one cares. Mm. Oh, my God. And so even though I'm, like, trying to be strong and I'm like, you know, get the hell away from my car. I'm I'm yelling at him to get away from me. I'm shaking. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm physically mm-hmm. shaking. And then yeah. noticing that vulnerability in myself is making me even more scared. Um, and then, you know, the transaction lasted a few minutes. And when it finally ended, it's like I turned the corner. Now I'm at my podcast. Now I come upstairs. And now I'm like, all right, hey, let's get to this show. And it just really brought forward for me in noticing that, one, how I have learned to and known to do that my whole life. And that's kind of that concept of forced resilience that I speak to quite a bit. But it's like, wow, that's really what that is in action. Like they're not being time to process. They're not Mm -hmm. being maybe um, access to compassion or support or understanding. And then just having to instantly go into something else and bring mm-hmm. your enthusiasm to it and bring your, you know, personal power to it. But that situation still existing and that's still right now, I can feel it in my gut in this moment. And it mm-hmm. still is holding a little bit of space in my heart. And yeah. I really started thinking about like ancestrally, you know, I think our generation speaks so beautifully now to connecting to our ancestors and we do have platforms to really do anti-racism work and speak truth to power as my my beautiful friend lovey says um and those are those are typically showing up in the moments that are rare or or in the moments that are smaller passive moments like you're being followed Mm -hmm. around a store or because of your race or what you look like or you know, maybe you remember three times in your childhood seeing racism or or beginning to understand what it was. But for our ancestors and our elders in this country, especially, what I experienced today, they might have experienced five times in one day. Yeah, yeah. And really under like that actually like that sinking in and really understanding yeah. the amount of stress that that puts on your body, like. Understanding Mm -hmm. that felt more ethereal because when I think of moments that I've encountered racism in my life, they have been like really specifically big moments that were so clearly um, wrong but spanned out, right? It's not something that every single day someone was trying to spit on me like that Mm -hmm. man did today or scream at me or tell me that I'm worthless or – called me out of my name, you know, like that doesn't happen to me normally. Mm -hmm. But it did happen to people that came before us the entire day, all day. Yeah. And it happened to you, right? And I think that there is like, because you are such a a compassionate being and you hold um, ancestral knowledge and and compassion within you, um, you're already going into a place where you're like, what, what could this have been like for them? Mm. And um, in this very moment, I think that perhaps them and I are wondering, you know, what this has been like for you, right? Um, and and how you're doing, and mm. how you're holding up in this moment where you haven't necessarily gotten a, a full chance to process and sit with the 
terrorizing that has happened to your mind, body, and spirit at this moment. I'm just wondering. I'm, I want to check in with you. I want to just know how you're doing. How are you holding on? You know, I feel, I think foremost, I feel grateful. I, I feel really grateful that my son wasn't in the car with me, that he's not with me right mm-hmm. now, because I think that would have really, um, I don't know what I would have mm-hmm. done, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a piece of me that is fighting inside in this moment. You know, this will be very shocking probably for a lot of people to hear on this show. But, like, I used to be someone that really was ready to fight (laughs) Mm -hmm. based Mm -hmm. on my background. You know, I I was somebody that can go from zero to 100 and and really, like, stand toe-to-toe with people. And I've done so much work around that and around um, transmuting and dissolving any rage or any feelings like that and being able to, you know, not take other people's projections and dysfunctions personally. But I think then sometimes there's still that seed inside of you that's like, where is the physical world protection, you know, especially for women? Like that was so undeserved and it was completely unprovoked, complete. I, right. I hadn't even seen this man. So it's not like I cut him off first and then he got me back or no, mm-hmm. like I was just like enjoying my morning, singing in the car. Um, and he went out of his way to find me and thrust that experience onto me and then go on about mm-hmm. his life. And so I think for us, um, if you're in the BIPOC community, but especially if you're just a woman, it's like, really Mm -hmm. noticing how often do we experience that, even if it's not racially motivated or if it's not a road rage incident, but how often do we experience that of people coming in and trying to unload toxic shit on you Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. you just having to find a way to keep going anyway and finding a way to thrive anyway. Yeah. And I think, you know, we can't lose sight of, you know, um, the embodiment of the black woman, you know, in that dynamic, right? And so there, there is a provocation. The provocation is um, the embodiment of you illuminating, you know, as you do wherever you step foot and embodying your joy, you know, coming into spaces that um, are affirming and that you've manifested and all of that you carry with you and, and, and people can see as they see you, right? And that's a threat, right? It's mm. a threat to individuals that embody white fragility. Um, and so that's the provocation. It's not that you necessarily provoked yourself, but the provocation is the embodiment of black joy. <laughs> your existence provokes. Like your your oh. unfiltered, you know, just illuminating existence is a provocation to those who wish you to stay in a in a position of embodying oppression within yourself right mm. and so it it's an unfortunate circumstance of the world that we live in and it is what then drives the type of behavior that is the embodiment of white terror upon uh, black and indigenous bodies right and minds and spirits and and um, all the multiple dimensions of you that that have you know uh, captured uh, this terror, right? And so when you're speaking, and um, you know, uh, I, I just I feel in in terms of what you were talking about and feeling in your heart, there is the fear that is intentional, right? That 
that person intended to impose fear upon you mm. so that they can dull your light and dull your joy because it's way too threatening for them to see, to experience, to know it exists. And so, um, you know, it, it's uh, something that de deserves the opportunity to be brought to light. And, and so I'm just so incredibly proud of you for just utilizing a community-based platform to say this happened, right? Because a, a part of what we've also been socialized to believe is that we have to keep it to ourselves, mm. swallow it up and just not make it public, not announce it so that people can not only understand this is existing in our world, this is happening. And um, I could use community love and help around it, right? Like, and you're allowing for those things to take place. You're allowing for the opportunity for people to know this is still a thing. The elections have passed and we still have a ton of work to do, right? And I now have to embody a traumatic experience because why fragility is at an in it within our generation at an all-time high um yeah it's yeah unfortunate it's unfortunate and I think too it's like noticing my physical response to that <clears throat> mm -hmm. also in you know in real time trying to dissolve what that brought forward because even though in that moment I did feel very protected by God like I I feel I feel very safe in my being uh for the most mm -hmm. part and, you know, it was striking to me how I thought I could respond in that situation, but then also understanding I'm not getting out of the car. I'm not fighting a man in the street. Mm -hmm. Let me make sure he can't get in my car and I'm trying to, you know, lock my doors. And then I noticed like I'm shaking, like my whole body was shaking. My hands were shaking. Mm -hmm. And then a piece of me really really did not like that because I felt like I don't want you to see me shake. You want me to shake. You want me to feel like I'm less than you. You want me to feel um, <clears throat> victimized. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like yeah. that kind of wrestle with your own body and your own spirit of how you want to present, but then also what's like a physiological response and then exactly. trying not to take that on to mean anything about me, you know? So it, it's just the mm -hmm. layering when you're, when you're in situations like that, those fight or flight situations. And I think so much of this, you had said something that really resonated. Um, you know, I think we experience this not just in these really pathetic, um, racially motivated situations like I experienced today, but something you spoke to of someone trying to take your radiance, someone trying mm -hmm. to take your joy, right? Mm -hmm. Like sometimes that happens in our own families. Sometimes that happens in our friendships. It happens at mm -hmm. work so often, you know? And it's like noticing when someone does that and how that actually makes you feel about yourself. And then if you don't let it go in the moment, if you don't actually allow yourself the process to work mm -hmm. through it or to sit with it and you just try to plow through how you can unknowingly carry that as like microscopic shame with you yeah. um, or yeah. microscopic, you know, worthlessness with you into other areas. Um, I don't know. That's what's coming forward to me. How does that sound to you? Well, it all, it all sounds like it, it you know, 
I think we have to think about also the embodiment of a trauma response, right? Like, you know, even even though, granted, it's incredibly commendable um, that you know you were able to transition into your day and not allow this person to to steal um, any more moments from you, right? There are um, ways in which this sharp transition into okay, got to put my you know podcaster interviewer hat on you know mm. this happened it happened outside I'm now inside a building and now I have to like switch right like that that in and of itself is uh, a response that falls under the umbrella of you know, trauma response right and so when we are able to take a step back and um, process in, in many of the ways that you have been doing right in these moments after the, the fact process how your emotional world has captured the experience, how your body is capturing mm. um, pockets of tension and the ways that your spirit uh, is holding up, right? Like all of these things are part of how we give ourselves grace and allow ourselves an opportunity to, to process fully what that was like and how it tapped into all of the dimensions of who we are and allow ourselves a, a sacred pause and an opportunity to just be with that information and breathe into it and, and find a, a gentle moment, you know, to, to offer ourselves that counters, that very aggressive moment that, you know, you had to experience. And, and that happens in all facets of life with all individuals that, you know, create some sort of a, a heightened level of discomfort or distress within our lives um, to be able to take sacred pause and then just like, process within is something that is incredibly powerful and actually happens to be within our control mm -hmm. what happened was outside of your control but a way that we self-empower is by bringing um, into our sacred space into that sacred pause space the opportunity to to engage in things that are within our control to to give ourselves um, an opportunity to to be gentle and, mm. and, and tender and light you know um and, and I'm, I'm so glad that you're talking about fight or flight because that's exactly where my mind went. Even as you said, like, this was me back in the day. I can totally relate. I, <laughs> really? I remember like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I remember in college, I used to, um, I used to always, I, I felt like I, I came from Newark, New Jersey, right? And I'm proudly of, you know, this town that I, I love so dearly. And I remember, you know, going into college and it was a very foreign space and there weren't a lot of people from Newark, right? And I just like, I, I felt like I had to stand my ground in the same way that we used to in Newark, right? And and say, I'm from Newark, and then, you know, kind of bring out the quote-unquote Newark in me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and just let people know what I was about so nobody would step up to me, right? You know, and, and there was this, like, embodiment of, you know, this person that always needed to be in fight mode, right? Yeah. So flight was actually foreign to me. Um, the, the withdrawal piece, the, you know going into myself and, and, and not being able to, to engage the environment was a little less um, of my thing than actually enacting and initiating the fight mode in the fight or flight. So that was more my default. So I can totally relate to you in, in, in that way and, and in how physiologically that presents itself to us. I remember back, back in college, I used to, you know, whenever I would engage in, in moments like this, I would be trembling too, right? I, you know, that is a physiological response of our body saying, hey, by the way, Debbie, Marielle, I'm shutting down 
a little bit here because I can sense that there's a threat. There's an imminent threat. And I, I'm in the process of shutting down all essential bodily functions that, or non-essential bodily functions, right? So that I can actually give you enough energy to fight off this threat. And so our bodies start to, to tremble, to sweat, to, you know, like all of these like hormonal productions of, you know, what is happening in our bodies as it's getting ready and prepared to fight off the threat is a very natural response. So I'm so, so mm. glad to hear that you're not saying I'm not internalizing that as a part of me that I should be ashamed of. I'm internalizing that as a human reaction, like yeah. a human hormonal reaction that is there to protect me. Yeah. And I think, you know, that is really the core, what you're speaking to, I feel is the core of so much of the self-work we do is taking a moment as we experience things to say, this doesn't have to mean something about me. I don't have to take this on as a judgment of myself, the experience that I just had, right? Like Mm -hmm. this man literally was, you know, saying, stupid B, suck my D, you know, he wanted, he hoped I died, like all of these things. And it's like, he wanted me to feel less than him because of how he feels about himself and how he sees the world. Mm -hmm. But I can allow myself to give myself the dignity of my experience. So share it. I'm stating what happened to me. I'm stating that I really didn't like it. I was scared. It made me feel really infringed upon. It made me feel unsafe. But what I won't take on is the feeling of what he was really trying to do is is invalidate my being and make me feel small and make me feel, you know, terrified to be myself in the world. And if I did, that would then change the way I am in the world. It would dim my mm-hmm. light in a certain way. I would perhaps be a little more um, subdued fearful that mm-hmm. if I allowed myself to be joyful, someone would want to hurt me or harm me, you know? Yes. Um, so yes. I think that's just interesting to observe. And for anybody listening that this is, you know, resonating with on any level, take a moment to apply like really the depth of what Dr. Mariel is sharing to maybe past situations in your life where you might have experienced this feeling, uh, and it doesn't have to be because of an attack or racially motivated, but maybe with your parent or maybe something at school happened or, you know, getting into fights at school or something at work, but just observe it and maybe replay it through this lens and see if there's opportunity to dissolve there. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, it's a wonderful message to be able to relay, you know, to the masses because it, it doesn't um, necessarily have to be the experience of white terror and white mm. terrorism um, to to bring us to a point of reflection of what is yours and what is mine, right? What is it that you are projecting onto me and are hoping that I embody on your behalf because it is entirely too terrifying for you to acknowledge about yourself. And, and if we can cast aside whatever is um, trying to be imposed upon our spirit by way of the person that is the perpetrator, the aggressor, um, or even the systems that are perpetrators and aggressors upon Black and Indigenous people of color's lives, then you know we can um, embody more of that emotional and holistic freedom, right? The freedom of being as we are and who we are without the 
socialization of, of white terror, which mm. has been very much a part of the experience that we've had for centuries upon centuries, right? Um, we have had the experience of, of having white terror tell us who we are and um, create the kind of circumstance where we've had to swallow those words and even internalize it. That's why internalized racism exists, right? Like a lot of us have, um, we're carrying that weight of, of that experience because we have been terrorized to such an extent that the other option that we have for the sake of survival is internalizing these ideas about ourselves in the world that feel protective, but are quite the opposite. Mm. Something that you say in your work is that historical pain requires multidimensional healing. What are those dimensions? How are they characterized? <laughs> oh, I love talking about this, Debbie. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's uh, I I understand that you know the the heavy pieces we have to unpack as well, and they are so valid. And I'm just so honored that you know you you have chosen me to discuss this with. Thank you for that. Um, and I know that you and I, you know, definitely resonate with uh, the embodiment of the mind, body, spirit. I call it soul work because I really do believe that within our souls, we, we embody these three dimensions of the mind, body, and the spirit, and that the three are intertwined and interwoven into each other in a way that cannot be extracted, right? We can't attend to one um, to the detriment of another. Mm. and and allow our lives to be in a state of unbalance, right? Because we are actually um, hyper-focusing on only one dimension of who we are. So really the mind, the body, and the spirit are those three dimensions that I speak to in my work. And, um, and I love to speak to each of them and I love to speak to all of them, right? Like as a, as a global whole, um, so that we can remember that, especially from the perspective of a therapist, which I think is, something that is fairly uncommon um, that people perhaps aren't accustomed to because we are like, we're mind people, right? We mm. focus on the mind. But as Angela Davis, our living ancestress has said, you know, we have to liberate our minds as well as liberate society, right? And so I believe in the liberation of us as a people, which means that we have to liberate the ways in which our bodies have been um, depositories for stress and anguish and terror and the same for our spirit. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. To embody that integration of all three, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I think it's so when we, when we are kind of in this space right now in the world, like mental health conversations are really at the forefront for the first time in human history uh, and well-being conversations for all is at the forefront in the in for the first time in human history but sometimes it feels like people on in both of those worlds are acting like there is only one road to healing right like no just go to therapy like that's what you need you need to understand the root of what's going on with you and or it's like just be zen and just let go and just release and move forward but i found in my own healing journey that true remembrance of your wholeness truly standing in your authentic power and feeling a love for yourself that is so strong that it radiates from your pores and your being it requires the integration of all three and so can you speak to perhaps you know as people are doing the work 
really not just intellectualizing it. Understanding it is important. Understanding why we do the things that we do is important. But how do we usher in that integration? How do we include our bodies and our souls in the healing work that we're doing, dismantling in our minds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's really, and it takes me back, you know, to our conversation on rituals, right? You know, it's an embodiment of the multiple ways in which we can attend to and honor each of these dimensions of who we are. Um, And it it means that we honor by way of action, right? We honor by eliciting action that is healing and profound in each of these areas. That the healing of the mind isn't just a, a healing that happens through the process of therapy, if therapy is indeed accessible to the person, but that it, it also means that we experience liberation by way of cultural consciousness and the understanding of who we are as people and our historical knowledge of ourselves. And that that is also a part of the ways in which the mind becomes liberated, right? Um, to Bob Marley's words, emancipate yourselves from mental slavery, right? Like it really, it, it needs to take on that form as well. And healing practices of the mind are wide and varied, right? And therapy is obviously a very popular one, especially in these days. I got to say, I'm really excited about that because like I came into this work like going on nine years and I had no idea. We were like in in the shadows. We were these people that nobody wanted to like deal with unless they could and needed to. (laughs) You were like everybody's Um, side chick, like a secret. Like, no, no, I don't do that. Like. Right, right. <laughs> and so like, you know, to be in this this moment in time, it's just fascinating. Mm. And it, it makes me so happy that our people are saying, hey, I'm doing this for myself and it matters and I matter and, you know, my therapeutic journey matters. And let me tell you about it. Like, it's just so, it, it, it illuminates my life whenever I get to see that, which is very often. And I, um, you know. How do just, you think that that, that shift And our collective consciousness happened just in the last couple of years. How do you think we came into this space for so many where therapy is now this tool of empowerment that you're actually excited to tell people about? Like my girlfriends will text me and they'll be like, guess what I learned in therapy today? You know, and that like even five years ago, that wasn't happening in this kind of a way. I think it's, you know, it's in part, I, I have to give credit to the people. The people are deciding this is a moment in time when we're going to proclaim healing, right? And I, I fondly believe that this is the frame of mind that this generation has taken up and we have to give credit you know, to the people themselves. However, I do believe that there are, albeit very small movements, <laughs> but movements in the direction of dismantling some of the barriers that exist. And it, when we're talking about dismantling, I think, it's important to, to know, you know, that we are in the mental health arena educating about the actual experience uh, around stigma and us being able to have that broader conversation of, hey, stigma exists and this is how it exists within our communities has allowed for a point of self-reflection within this generation where people are like, oh yeah, that's a thing like stigma has kept me from being able to solicit therapy 
And when we talk about the barriers that are financial, people can say, oh, yeah, these financial barriers have got to go. Right. Yeah. And I think that these micro conversations around the barriers themselves as well have contributed to, to the larger conversation of I want this for myself. I deserve therapy and I want to have a conversation around how therapy can actually be, be brought upon my life. And then once a person gets into it and they, they can actually experience what therapy is able to offer, you know, there is an, an added motivation that people are experiencing around speaking to therapy. Um, and also, you know, like there's few and far in between a therapist that identifies black. Um, however, I think uh, we are very motivated to also bring to the fore this conversation within our communities. Like we are abandoning these like old scripts that mm. white ideology has imposed upon the mental health world that has said like, you know, this is something that is secretive. And we're saying, no, our communities need to talk about this. And we're talking about this. And these conversations have, I think, a very large impact. And um, I'm grateful for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that I really love so much about it is it returns our power to us. Like being able to speak our truth freely allows us to grow. And anytime we're trying to keep any secrets, any secrets, there is going to be this natural minimization of self that happens. So if Mm -hmm. we were in therapy, but we weren't sharing, you know, some of our breakthroughs and you don't have to do it on the gram, right? But even just with people, even just broadening our conversation, It's like to do that helps you build your spiritual confidence. It helps you practice being this new version of you that you're becoming. And so you really limit your growth when you're not kind of when you're hoarding your lessons or you're not just kind of Mm -hmm. freely sharing yourself or you're in fear of what will people think if, you know, that is the biggest sadness to me about when you're stuck in that position of comparativeness or wanting to conceal self you you just limit and slow your growth so much so so much yeah and it's actually um antithetical to who we are as people right Mm. like we are people that uh, we have like this enormous grapevine right that that flows through our communities where information just kind of um flows through about the experiences that we've had, what has helped. And this has been the case for as long as we've existed on this planet, right? Like we have had this communal informational, like super highway, you know, if you may to use kind of like more, um, more modern day terms, but these have been the ways in which people have shared thoughts, ideas, healing practices, and there hasn't been a secrecy around it, right? There's been a secrecy in modern day world that we have imposed upon um, healing mechanisms mm. and especially indigenous healing practices. And we are deciding as people, like this is not something that we want to continue to embody because this is this is a colonized framework of being, um, you know, of existing as a healed self. Yeah. The decolonized framework is I share that with, my cousin, my grandmother, my this, my that, right? And everybody knows about, you know, what has worked. And we, we do that with everything. My parents, you know, they, for as long as I've lived, they've had all these teas that they wrote, this tea is for this and this tea is for that. Oh, you've got gastro issues? Oh, we've got you, right? And so there's always been like 
uh, a way that they have imparted knowledge upon me, ancestral knowledge, is saying that we have the tools. You don't you don't need to necessarily always go to, you know, a, an MD medical professional in order to, to actually uh, heal, you know, parts of you. We have these indigenous practices and indigenous wisdom that we want to impose upon you. And it hasn't been until now in my, you know, early to latter 30s that I actually experienced such an immense gratitude for what they've given me in my mm. entire life that I didn't even know had all these roots, right? And so this is the way that we communicate. We say, hey, I know something that can help. Here's oh. a shaman, here's a curandero, you know, yes. like there's so many healers in our communities. And we are now giving extension to therapy to also be a part of that healing community and that healing grapevine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that. Let's share our tools. Mm -hmm. Nothing is too small, yeah. you know, like we need all of it. Mm -hmm. We all need to be sharing our tools in each moment. Oh, Dr. Mariel, I would love to ask you. <laughs> so we, at the end of this show, I like to give a little soul work for everyone listening, something to take them into their week. It can either be a thought, it can be a journal prompt, it can be an activity, but I would love to extend to you the, the professorship of this today. Um, what is something that the audience can work on this week? What is a thought they can have or something that they can do for their soul homework? Yes, I love this question. And, you know, perhaps um, what, what actually like came to mind right away was the extension of a question that I asked my social media community, which is, and remember thinking about the fact that within the soul, we hold the mind, the body, and the spirit. So it's a very multidimensional question that I'm about to ask, but the asking, whether in a journal prompt that you'd like to write, or if you'd like to just sit and meditate on these words, I'd love to ask, how's your soul? And if you could even commit to asking yourself that for the next seven days, and checking in with your mind, with your body, and with your spirit to see how you're doing as a whole human being. I think it, it can really shift the perspective of how you start embodying wellness within yourself and self-love. So that's my, my little nugget. <laughs> how is your soul feeling? I love that. And we're going to put all of your information, of course, within the episode. But for people listening right now, how can they connect to your Soul Healing Collective? And how can they connect to your beautiful work? Uh, thank you. I, um, I'm on Instagram uh, at, at Dr. Marielle Bouquet. And the Soul Healing Collective um, can be found right on my website, drmariellebouquet.com and um, I look forward to seeing people there we're doing really great healing work and community and it, it just fills my soul you know to be able to be with other souls that are so intentional about healing work mm. thank you mm -hmm. so much for your time today I just I enjoy mm -hmm. speaking to you so immensely you have such a radiance mm -hmm. um, and your depth of knowledge mm -hmm. is just so delicious. So thank you so much <laughs> for gifting me with your time to be on this show. 
My sauce is delicious. I love it. Debbie, <laughs> you are giving me all kinds, all kinds of new language to use towards my work. I love it. It has been such an honor to be with you, you know, in all, everything that we've discussed, you know, from the grief to the joy. And, you know, I, I, I love spending time with you. So thank you for giving me a pocket of your time to, to do that. And thank you for holding space for me so beautifully. Thank you. That I think that that was not only was it healing for me, but I think it's such a beautiful example for people that are having questions around how can I show up for others. I think that was um, I think it really gave each of us uh, listening and here a beautiful experience. Thank you. Hey, find me on social. Let's connect at Debbie Brown. That's Twitter and Instagram or go to my website, DebbieBrown.com. And if you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and send this episode to a friend. Dropping Gems is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. It's produced by Tribble and me, Debbie Brown. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. spot but not just a spot the spot actually with the 2023 nissan frontier you know a bunch of them but the key to these great spots being able to reach them in the first place your spot is out there find your frontier and the 2023 nissan frontier with standard 310 horsepower advanced tech and 281 pound feet of torque Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.